When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Metal Mike, and in this episode, I'm joined by fellow Ingbe Nut Chris, and we talk through our top seven favorite Ingbe Malmsteen albums. Now, Ingbe is definitely a one of a kind guitarist. He's made so many cool albums, and he's played with so many amazing musicians, and we talk through it all. Now, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and consider being a financial subscriber through Anchor. There's a link in the description below. And hey, if you really like how things are going on on the podcast, make sure you share and tell your friends. It will make this thing bigger than Ingve's ego. Oh, that was bad, right? Well, hey, I've interviewed many of Ingve's past bandmates. Now go back through my channel and check out those interviews, and we sprinkle in some clips from those along the way. Now, some of these classics you might not remember, but we'll never forget. Check it out. Yes, welcome to the 80s Glam Model Cast, man. How are you? Great. Happy to be here. It's it's always a great day when you can talk about the maestro, right? <laughs> you know, it's Ingve is one of those things, man. Not everybody knows who Ingve is, but you know, for those that don't, I mean, they're missing out, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's funny. He's the most unknown superstar you could ever see. I mean, the guy invented a genre all to himself as one of the biggest stars in the guitar playing community. Yet you could go down the street and find people who have no idea who he is. It's, it's truly an amazing. <laughs> Amazing double-edged sword he has there. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it, man. But, you know, he's done so many killer albums, so many great songs, and we're going to go through a top seven here tonight. But, Chris, tell everybody what you do, man. You're you're a moderator on the KISS FAQ board. That's how we got to know each other. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, a big KISS fan, you know, that, that was my first love. I was five years old when I bought Alive 2, and, and KISS had been there for my entire life. And KISS FAQ board is a really great place, really great KISS community. And, you know, I've been a moderator there for many years now, and I use the name Rising Force. That's my handle there. So uh, I've, I've always thrown my tribute to Ingve for just about anywhere I go. But uh, for KISS fans out there, KISS FAQ is the place to be. Yeah, I agree. I, I encourage everybody to go on there. Um, mine's really simple. I'm Metal Mike on there, and uh, you know I post a lot about um, the podcast and different things that I do. But I love jumping in on other people's discussions too because you know we're all you know like we're Kiss fanatics. We you know we're Ingve fanatics. We're '80s metal fanatics. We we kind of we're a rare breed, and we all kind of need to stick together, right? <laughs> well, it, it's great to see people who've held on to that, you know, because that was all the scene and it was all the rage at the time. And many people have moved on, but I can tell you those bands are still my favorite today. Yep. You know, whether it's Ingve putting something new out or any of his related vocalists or band members, but even other bands in the genre, you name it, Danger Danger and you know anything like that, I still love and I'll get anything that those guys get. Superman, I feel the same exact way. Well, hey, without further ado, I say we jump right in. Why don't you give me what your number seven is on your top Ingve album list? All right, well, number seven, I'm going to go with Unleash the Fury. It's odd to say that that's a later day album you know you think of it as more contemporary but that's an old one now it is a great. Think about it. <laughs> but, but it really walks that fine line of you know as he's gotten older and has progressed he's really turned up the speed and making the soloing a part of every song kind of about the sacrifice of melody and vocals and song structure you know but 
that didn't happen on Unleash the Fury. That one is power packed with songs, you know? And, and that's just one that I have loved since it first came out. And it's really probably what I would say maybe his last really, truly great album. Yeah, you know, I agree with you on that one. It probably is one of the last really great ones. And, and what's weird is I really wanted to love the Tim Ripper Owen albums, but I didn't really like them for some reason. And I think what I really wanted, which this doesn't make any sense, but this is how my brain works. I wanted to hear like Tim Owens do kind of like the more commercial Ingve stuff. I think it would have worked, but instead they kind of went like, let's go as metal as we possibly can. And um, I just don't know if the songs were there on those ones. You know what I mean? Perpetual Flame walked that fine line. He still tried to have some strong structure. It wasn't overdoing the solos, you know, to the point where it is today. It, it, it tried to walk that fine line, but I agree. It went a little too much to that side. And then you have, you know, the follow-up album, which, you know, Ripper technically sang on, but it was just leftover track, so it's really tough to... Right, it's <laughs> not to like even, a real... Uh, count that one. But, uh, but really, it was a good era. I mean, I... I I liked him with the band, and actually, that's really the last time that Ingve had a really legit singer. Yeah. And one of the criticisms of him today is, oh, he's singing himself, he's being cheap. I like when Ingve sings. I mean, we'll get to other albums later, but like when Seventh Sign came out and I heard Angel and Heat for the first time, oh my God. I loved having that oddity of him singing. Now mm-hmm. him singing every song, I don't mind it. But it's only like four or five songs an album. It's overloaded with instrumentals. But it would be nice to see him go back and get that style of vocalist again. Yeah. And a couple of things, my thoughts on Unleash the Fury. Um, what, first of all, I think it's too long. It's got, I think it's got too, too many songs for me. Um, mm-hmm. But I dig Doogie's voice, man. And my favorite song on there is Russian Roulette. So, Ingve fans, mm-hmm. if you're not familiar with this album... That's a song that I really love. That's that's my favorite. I like a lot of the other ones. I like Winds of War. Um, and one other thing, just the last thing I want to say about Doogie White is if you go back to the album before Attack, one of my all-time favorite Ingve songs is "Touch the Sky." I love that mm-hmm. song. You know that song reminds me of like <laughs> trilogy days with the with the '80s keyboards and everything. So yeah. check out "Touch the Sky" and uh, "Russian Roulette." Those are standouts for me from from the Doogie era. And there's some songs. Chris, that really stand out to you that are like, man, I, I just love these songs from this era. I mean, from the Doogie era, I mean, my God, uh, Razor Eater, mm. which was awesome. I was front, I was front row one night. Uh, I've told a story before. I'll probably get to it in a bit, but I, I was front row one night, and Doogie gave me the mic, and I got to sing the chorus of Razor Eater, and it was just awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that was the same night that George Lynch opened, and uh, Lynch had the skeleton guitar, the Dream Warriors one. Mm-hmm. And he was really upset with his sound guy that night. And he, at the end of the show, he just threw his hands up. I can't get my sound to work. He just gave the guitar to me in the front row. And I was like, whoa, holy mackerel. And his sound guy came running with the, the look of God in his face, saying, please, I have to have that back. And I, I should have made my way out the door and I would have George's. But this is not a show about George, more about anything. We'll get back to that. But uh, the Dookie era, I really, I really enjoyed the Dookie era a lot. And again, I got to meet him after the show. Really nice guy. I thought that was another instance where... Yeah, you hear the, oh, he's just ripping off Rainbow. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. you'd always hear that, that he's pilfering all the Richie stuff. But he was a great fit for the band. I love Doogie. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'm with you. Um, my number seven is something different than what you have. I put Facing the Animal at seven. I really dig this album. You know, I feel like this is one, it's it's like kind of poppy in places, but it still has like a heavy uh, more modern, at least for the time, production. Uh, Cozy Powell, you know, R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Great, great drumming on there. And I love Matt's Levin's voice because I feel like, um, and we'll get to this later, is that I'm really big into Mike Vissera. I, I, I was... 
I was big into loudness, and I was really excited when when Mike got in the band. So I was a little skeptical. There's certain times where like a really you know a singer that I've been really into would leave, and then I was kind of worried, like, oh god, who's going to be in next? Am I going to like what they're doing? But but Matt's was awesome, man. And a couple things about this one that I thought was cool is that there some of these songs. This is this is what Matt's told me is that some of them were left over from the Odyssey era, and I love Odyssey. Yeah. And I thought some of those, you know, big choruses and songs like Another Time and Alone in Paradise were really cool, really catchy. That's the kind of, for me, I got to be honest, that's the kind of Ingve stuff that I like. I really do like when Ingve kind of commercializes the sound a little bit. And um, yeah, I, I love that. Uh, I love that album. And then some of the heavy stuff is really cool too, like uh, Heathens from the North and My Resurrection. So just a good mix of music on there. I agree totally. And jumping the gun, I can get to facing the animal now because that's my number six. Ah, oh, perfect, <laughs> perfect. For me, <laughs> so, and again, this goes back to he's playing like a beast, but he's doing it within the confines of the song. You know, yep. it's not over ripping the, the instrumental aspect of it. It's not just soloing for the sense of soloing. It's track after track, and that album is just pure killer. I mean, I, you know, you speak about like another time. I remember when that album was first being solicited. It was titled Another Time on the pre, on the pre order advances. Oh, was it? And uh, they, they, yeah, I remember when I when I first pre ordered it. This was my God. This is back in the days of like CD. Now, oh my God, I'm dating myself. But uh, <laughs> at the time, it was listed as Another Time. And uh, but yeah, you know, track facing the animals the standout track for me on that one. I love that. You know, yeah, uh, me too. The, the, the guy's just a beast when he's. When he's reined in, you know, yes. that sounds like I'm making a negative when I'm really not, but it's good when he's focused and he's saying, let's make a great song and then throw my stamp onto it, yes. you know, yep. and that album did it in spades. Matt's is awesome. <laughs> Loved him in the band. Uh, I mean, he's great in the, the other stuff. I have other albums of his outside of Ingve. Great singer. Great album. Love that whole era. The live album they put out together is great. Oh, live yeah. In Brazil. Awesome yeah. stuff. Well... <laughs> I've interviewed a lot of these guys, so let's play a little clip of what Matt thinks of his time doing Facing the Animal. Um, my number six is is Fire and Ice, and people really, uh, a lot of people love Eclipse, and I gotta be honest, after Odyssey, uh, Eclipse for me was a bit of a letdown, and I think because, um, you know, who knows, I'm sure we're gonna talk about Odyssey later on, but... For me, Odyssey was just so good. You know, the, the production, the songs, the singing, it was just so spot on. And I really wanted another Joe Lynn Turner album. Obviously, that did not happen. And I just think the, the sound for me was a little thin on Eclipse. I don't know if the songs were really there. I was I don't know if I was totally on board with Goran Edmund, you know, first time, you know, getting into that album. So for me, Eclipse was a little bit of a letdown. But I thought that Fire and Ice was a nice rebound. I feel like, okay, now I'm, I've come to terms with Joe Lynn Turner not being in the band anymore. You know, I've, I've, I've come down off of my uh, depression of, of the, the singer change. And, uh, no, I really love that album. I think the production was great. The songs were better. And, you know, I dig all, like, you know, he's got the, he's got Teaser, which I call, like, it's like his, you know, I don't even know what you want to call it, like a, like a cheesy pop metal tune. But, but it's cool. And there's mm-hmm. some really interesting tunes on there. How many... Uh, how many miles to Babylon? Final curtain. No mercy on my own enemy. And um, 
I just think it's great, man. I, I think that was uh, a big step up for me uh, when you know from Eclipse. But a lot of people swear by Eclipse. What do you think? Well, I got to tell you, and this is funny how this is working out because Fire and Ice is my number five. We're <laughs> <laughs> continuing to be working our way. Well, like, we're staggering them. We're staggering them. I'm telling you, it's going to look like this was set up, but it's <laughs> the way that it all happens to work out. But to tell you how much I just love Fire, everything about that album is perfect. For music, obviously, is what it is. The man you throw in the packaging, cover art, everything yeah. about that entire era. I love. Yep. You know, that's that's like senior year of college for me. Um, I'm moving on. And I'm, I'm, you know, I, I saw him on that tour. God, I remember to this day in the Trade Winds in New Jersey Club. And hearing Forever is a Long Time, Fire and Ice, hearing those songs live, just, just awesome. Uh, he, he opened with Perpetual. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Amazing stuff. Great era. Love that band. And I agree that, uh, and I'm spoiling, but Eclipse isn't on my list either. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's one that I don't dislike. But the second time around with that lineup, they really hit it out of the park. Yeah. You know, it was like, Eclipse had its moments. You have the three singles in the videos, yeah. you know, and those are good. But, you know, it, it, it's still a great album on its own. But when compared to the others, I write it a notch below. But Fire and Ice is just so awesome. I mean, I remember hunting for years trying to find the promotional poster of the, I guess it's from the teacher single where he's holding the guitar over his head with the flames. Yeah. I got that, got him to sign it. Just great stuff. <laughs> and I, I love that album, that whole era. And you're right, a lot of those songs, and this is one of the nitpicky things about his shows these days, is that albums like that are forgotten. Yeah. You know, you're, you're never going to hear him play Fire and Ice again. You're never going to hear Dragonfly. Those, those things are just out the window and those are sorely missed. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you made a great point about the cover because just by seeing that cover, like you wanted to buy that. You know what I mean? And it was cool. He was on Electra, so he was, you know, he was still on yeah. a major label, uh, even though he wasn't on Polygram anymore. Uh, a lot of artists, you know, and he and he's about to go down that wormhole where he's not on, not on a major label either. But you know, a lot of artists kind of lost their major label deals around this time, and he still had yeah. it. Uh, but yeah, that cover is just killer, stellar. So, so glad you mentioned that too, because I remember thinking at the time. And we all know, those of us who lived through it know what that era was like and where the musical landscape was going. And you're right, bands were losing deals left and right. But I remember finding out, oh my God, he's on Electra now. Holy mackerel, he's making a, a step up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. At the time, and you're like, you're like, wow, this is... But the whole package was just so well put together. Great, great album. And it was really good to see that lineup solidify after a first good album, but just completely knocking it out of the park on the sophomore. Yeah, definitely. And... I feel like I feel like a cheese ball. Oh, I got to talk to Goran Edmund, but I did t- I did sleep with Goran Edmund, and he did talk to me about this album. And I'll roll that clip right here. Okay, so I guess it's time for me to do my five, and I, this is where I put "Marching Out." And a lot of people might be surprised at that. I think it's a great album. You know, this is a straight up metal album. You know, there's this. You know, the blues haven't uh, infiltrated Ingve's sound pretty much. You know, yet with this album. And Jeff Scott Soto, man, killer vocalist. Obviously, these are live staples, you know, to this day. I'll see the light tonight. Don't let it end. I am a Viking. Um, one song that stands out to me that I really like, but it doesn't sound very Ingveish, is "On the Run." I always feel like the beginning mm-hmm. of "On the Run" sounds like it could be like any LA '80s band. You know what I mean? It's got like that, like a sure. rat almost rip. But it's really cool, you know, and it does fit. So. Um, you know, it's a great album. I just feel like I kind of liked where he went as he, you know, kept going. Uh, I, I felt like maybe that's just the kind of music that I like, but the more commercial he got, I feel like I liked it even more. But, you know, it's a solid outing. It is, and, it, and it's truly amazing how this works out because, again, I'm going to piggyback off you because Marching Out was my number four. <laughs> and, it, and, again, that era, that that's where I really 
got into him at first. I mean, I'd heard the name before. Again, I remember I was born in 72. So when the, when the first album came out and, you know, the days of Alcatraz and Steeler and all that beforehand, I'd heard the name, but I really didn't get into it. It was seeing the I'll See the Light Tonight video on Headbangers Ball. And I was like, wow, this guy's a monster. I ran out and got the entire back catalog, back catalog at that point. That whole era, and you want to throw in the uh, Live 85 video, which yep. is technically from a show before the album came out, but it's that era. There's so much material from it on there. What a great era. And by the way, the CD of Live 85 came out unofficially <laughs> recently, and I did pick that up. Great disc. Oh, nice. But uh, the Jeff era, I, lo I love that band with Anders and Jens. That's just great stuff. Great stuff. And what an album. You know, it's... It's picking up from the debut, which was, you know, all instrumental, save two. But now he's making a full band album. You know, Jeff is really coming across more as not just, oh, here's a guy I hired to do a couple songs. Right. He's a band member. Yeah. And they just, they really, really killed it. What a great, you know, pseudo debut when you figure that's really where he was sort of really catching notice, you know, and becoming a little more mainstream. Yeah, yeah, 100%. When I talked with Anders, it was weird. I kind of asked him, I was like, you know, who do you think is the, you know, was the right singer? Who did you like working with the best out of all the ones? And he mentioned um, Jeff. And uh, actually, this mm -hmm. would be a great spot to kind of roll that clip. Well, there was a lot of in and out during that era because he yeah. left, Mark came in, Mark left, Jeff came back again right. for a tour, even though he wasn't really back. It was a lot of it was a lot of back and forth during that time. And then, of course, he came back later for inspiration and does little things. And now I can't imagine that ever happening. I had a chance to talk to Jeff uh, a couple of years ago. Uh -huh. And uh, all thoughts of ever working together again just seemed to be completely out the window. But it would be <laughs> nice if both parties could ever put it together and it's, just say, hey, let, let's put aside personal differences. Just worry about making some music. I know. It's weird because any vocalist that I ever talked to really didn't act like they could ever work with them again for the most part. You know what I mean? Mo most of them were, were like that. So it's it's too bad because they all make great music together. All the different singers with their touch of their lyrics and everything, it really made some great stuff. All right, so number four, I've got a magnum opus. And as I was alluding to earlier, I'm a huge Mike Vissera fan. I'm going to hold off. There's more stuff I want to say about Mike Vissera, but I'm going to hold off because there may be another one that, from, from his era uh, that will hit, hit the list. So I'll just talk about the album itself. Uh, I think it's great. What I did talk with Mike, he said that this album was more of a rush, and he doesn't know if it was you know as a spontaneous and as original as the seventh sign. But I think there's some great – I think it rivals it. There's some great stuff. Um, I love um, No Love Loss. You know, uh, there's a lot of cool. Another one, you know, for exa example, we talked about some of those songs that don't sound very Ingvayish, and I think "Cross the Line" is another one of those songs where it sounds like your typical like '80s song, even though it's 1995. Um, "Tomorrow's Gone" kind of has like that slow neoclassical heavy thing going on. The only one reminds me of "Teaser." It's kind of like that catchy, you know, metal track. So a lot of cool stuff on there. And, and once again, I just think it's just a great pairing, uh, those two. What do you think with, with Viscera's era? It's a, that's a solid album. And the Viscera album, that's one where I'll, I'll rank Seven Sign a little higher than that one. Yeah. But uh, And you're right, Magnum Opus kind of comes off as, here's just part two. Yeah. And yep. I remember the first time I heard him, like, okay, it kicks in with Vengeance. And you're like, well, okay, this is, this is kind of like picking up from where the Seven Sign left off. Yep. And we're... I mean, you know, and it's it's a good album. It's one that uh, you're right though. It just didn't feel like it had that same that same magic. I mean, and now again, I'm a big bootleg freak, so 
Live at Budokan for the Seven Sign Tour is amazing. And then you look around and I go to the Japan Tour for Magnum Opus. And it, it's missing a little something for me. Mm-hmm. But still, all in all, great album. He had a solid band at that point. Really good stuff. Fire in the Sky, underrated track. Never, yeah. gets, never gets talked about. Just, yeah, that is a good just track. really, really a, a good, solid era from him. Yeah, Voodoo is really cool, too. I forgot to mention Voodoo. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, what do you got for three, man? Uh, number three. Now we're hitting the big stuff. So now, Trilogy. I mean, yeah. I, that's funny how that works out. I didn't even plan that, but Trilogy 3, how do you like that? <laughs> that, that? That just hit me that I did that, and I didn't even notice. <laughs> but, uh, but again, now you're talking, Marching Out had done its thing, and now this is the slightly more attempt to go a little more mainstream. Yeah. You know, You Don't Remember, I'll Never Forget is, you know, that's, of course, the hit, hit single, quote-unquote. But that was the one with the MTV push, and the one that they did that really tried to get the, uh, the album its, its you know, push. But boy, you give me stuff like Fury, and oh my God, <laughs> amazing album, amazing album. Uh, really, a point where he was starting to get, you would think that this is where he could start to break through. Yeah. You know, because you're seeing, now he's not relegated to Headbangers Ball or whatever the nighttime thing. He's being played during the day on MTV, and I'm yep. seeing him in the middle of the afternoon. And you can see that maybe he's about to break, and it just never went over the cliff. But that was the point where you could see it going a little more mainstream. But again, soloing within the song you yeah. know and it's just you know now of course trilogy suite oh my god <laughs> you know mm-hmm. but to go back to the songs on it queen in love and you start with queen in love and liar and this goes back to what i said before about the live shows how are these songs not being played anymore oh. as those just should be standards <laughs> at yeah. any time he plays i just saw him a few months ago and I, again i knew what to expect because i know he doesn't even have a real singer with him at this point no be like my god some of these older classic songs and even the middle of the road from the magnum opus era isn't it just forgot and you wish that you would see some of that get it to do yep but uh trilogy is going to be the standard there pretty much for you know you look at that era and people are going to look at that and be like okay here's where the image was coming together mm-hmm. and the whole package with the songs is just great stuff awesome era from them well strangely enough trilogy is my number three people are going to think we planned this well we did it um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, everything you said is exactly what I think. And, you know, let's just do a shout-out to Mark Bowles. I mean, incredible oh. vocals, and it totally fits, and it sounds great. And and like I've said, I like when Ingbe goes the pop metal route. And um, yep. you don't remember, I'll never forget, is, is arguably his best song. Most people would probably say that, if you know, in a commercial standpoint, being known, being accessible, you know, this is the song. But you made a great point about the live tracks, Um you know, doing Queen is in love and um, liar and all that kind of stuff, and, and it really stands out to me like when they do live in Leningrad. Even though it's Joe Lynn Turner singing it, you know those songs when they go back to back with a lot of those uh, tracks from Trilogy, it sounds so good. You know, just songs that should be in the live show all the time. And you mentioned Absolutely. Fury, I love that one. Fire, man, Fire could have been a hit. That's a catchy <laughs> tune. And I don't know what it is. But I'm a sucker for Dark Ages. I just like Dark Ages. I don't know why, but I do like that one, man. But it's, it's like I said, it's a great album. Um, I think I'm going to talk more down the road of, of why I think maybe Ingve just never crossed over. But you're right. This should have been the point where he did. So. And it's weird when you think of where the era was going at that point as the other acts are exploding. You know, yeah. and MTV is making or breaking bands. You're seeing, you know, Bon Jovi, Def Leppard. All these bands are now skyrocketing. You know, Kiss, who are really, let's be honest, a dinosaur act yep. at that point, yep. are getting a second life with Heavens on Fire and they're being played on MTV. Exactly. This is the point where that whole genre was in fashion. And you you really would have thought that was the point. Because, again, he wasn't overdoing it yet. It was still confined with songs. He, 
you couldn't call him that musical snob kind of fan, you know, where you'd be like, oh, it's only, it's only those guitar geeks who are into him. He was still doing it for songs, and that, that whole era really encapsulated, really should have pushed him further. Yeah. Well, we're getting down to the final two, man. What's your number two? Two, I'm going where it began. Solo, of course. With, with, with the Ride 2 Force. I, I, I purposely left Steeler and Alcatraz out of this. So I wanted right. to stick with just him. Right. Yep. But you start with the Rising Force album, and it's just undeniable. I mean, again, this is kind of going against what I said earlier since it's almost all instrumental, but this was really an introduction to him. You know, as his name is getting out there more, as just, oh, who's that guy who's in this Alcatraz band I saw who's not really getting his name out there? But now you're seeing him for the first time, and he just puts out a, a complete masterpiece. And you're talking about song again, it's it's instrumental, except for two tracks, but still it's confined in a song and an instrumental that's going somewhere, not just kind of noodling yes. yep. throughout every second of the song, which is and again, I think today he sacrifices that melody just for speed on track after track after track. And I readily admit, even as big a fan as I am, you know, I can listen to Parabellum now. And I track to track, I'll have a hard time sometimes identifying, okay, if you just played it to me on random. Yeah, <laughs> Which this, one is this? One, <laughs> is, yeah, what is this from? Because there's a kind of a sameness to it. But at that point, every instrumental even was unique. It built upon where it was going. Again, far beyond the sun, Black Stars are standards he'll play for the rest of his life. Oh, yeah. And there's a reason for that. Because, you know, those are never going out of the set, nor should they. You know, because those are what he's built his solo career on. Just amazing albums start to finish. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't have this on my list, and it, and it goes back to probably what I've what I've already said is that I I do like the songs better than the soloing. But you're right, you know, stuff like Black Star and, and different songs on there. They there's a point to what's going on, and, and there is some melody there. It's not just you know uh, flying around on the fretboard. So I, I respect mm-hmm. that album. It's just not an album that I go back to very often. But I I really it's the springboard of his career. What got him going and and got his. Uh, got him known as being a guitar god so you know that's it, it's it's definitely a great album but my number two we're going back to the mike Vissera era is the seven sign man and i love this album i okay and i just gotta say i was so stoked that these guys were combining forces so let's let's set the stage it's 1994 metal is not being carried much anymore on mtv it's not in magazines much anymore you don't know what the hell's going on with your favorite artists just like you said, you were looking in a magazine, and, and that's how you found out, you know, uh, like a, like a publication that you know Ingve's got a new album out. I remember going into independent record stores, and they would show release dates, right? And they would show like Ingve Malmsteen Seven Sign. So this was the only way, right? Go on some whiteboard in an independent music store that I knew Ingve even had a new album. Okay, this is pre-internet, and um, I had no idea that Mike Vassar was even in the band because once again, how would I? You know what I mean? How would I know what he's up to? Right. I, I loved Loudness. I loved Soldier of Fortune and On the Prowl. Thought he was amazing. That ended. He dropped off the face of the earth. I had no idea what was going on. So I was so stoked when I got that CD and I took it home and I opened it up and I saw Mike Vissera lead vocals, man. I was like, whoa, this is so cool. I didn't know if Gordon Edmund was going to be you know, on the next album. I had no idea. But um, I, I just love it, man. I think, and honestly, for me, I think there were some improvements over the Gordon Edmund uh, era. Uh, Never Die, I don't know, such a cool, like, bluesy attitude track. Seventh Sign, I mean, that's one of his greatest songs, in my opinion. He still plays that to this day, right? That's still in his set. I've yep. seen him play that on YouTube yep. and whatnot. And uh, and then Prisoner of Your Love, 
You know, some of these Ingve ballads are, are sometimes can be kind of corny, but I like that one. And the re- main reason I like it because it harkens back to some of the Mike Vissera stuff, like um, "Lost Without Your Love" on the uh, Soldier of Fortune album. So I feel like that was such an awesome pairing. I just really dig that era. Once again, I'm a I'm a Mike Vissera nut. I've got tons of albums that he's done, you know, outside of the band. Uh, what would you think of Seven Sign? It's funny thinking about that era, and we were just talking about the jump from Polygram to Electra. And yeah. I remember during the pre-release info for Seven Sign, I was like, okay, he's on CMC now. Oh right? yes, that's where all bands go yeah. to die. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, uh oh, you're fresh off Electra, and now you're on the CMC. <laughs> so I remember and. Uh, you know, I was still, I was one of those who kind of held off on CDs. I, I was I was really, really uh, stubborn. I wanted to stick to vinyl, which was impossible. So I remember getting the cassette for the seventh sign when that came out. And again, you see CMC, like, okay, we're going to have a step down in quality. And boom, what a punch. That it never died. Kicks out right from the beginning. Yeah. Like you mentioned, I don't know. Hair trigger. Oh, my God. He's yeah. really got some aggression. Yeah, just really took me took me by surprise because I, I wasn't expecting but that was the first time that i really noticed that he was really going for the okay let's go for lightning fast yep he's still confined to the songs but he was really pushing the speed on that album i thought really the first time some degree to the to the uh you know to the hindrance of melody but still wrapped up in good songs great era saw him multiple times on those two tours great stuff great stuff yeah yeah, and um, I'm going to roll a clip of when I talk with Vissera. He thought it was very easy uh, and comfortable to work with Ingve, and uh, here's the clip on that. I already know that we have the same number one. Uh, so, so. <laughs> All right, man, what's your number one? All right, number one is such a cakewalk, easy decision for me. You were mentioning before about amazing combinations, and this was just what a star cross for me because you have Ingve's my favorite guitarist of all time. And now you throw in Jolyn Turner, my favorite vocalist ever. Yep. Uh, I, I love Jolyn Turner. Not just Rainbow, his solo stuff, his Deep Purple era. I don't care what anybody says. It's my favorite Deep Purple yep. album. I love Jolyn Turner. Me too. And I really thought that that was the perfect merging of melody and you know restraint in his playing. Still, it's still undeniably Ingve. But again, you can see Jolyn Turner's fingerprints all over that album, not just on the vocal, but you look at, there's never been another lyrical album quite like that. Joe, mm-hmm. Joe always talks about how Richie Blackmore would say Joe has his uh, magic bag of lyrics. And you can just see Joe's ingredients all over every song on that. And just for me to, to have them together at that point was just amazing. And you throw in, you throw in Trial by Fire live in Leningrad as well. Just yeah. awesome. <laughs> just, I love that era. You mentioned before having Joe singing Mark's tracks, just perfect album for me and there's so many tracks on there that really don't get their due mm-hmm. again that you'll never hear again riot in the dungeon deja vu crystal ball oh my god you know yep. I, for whatever reason i don't know why Yngwie doesn't love heaven tonight i get that it's poppy and he just doesn't play it anymore and what can you do i guess for some reason he he's not a fan of that era him and joe have their you know little war of words from time to time yep. i i had a chance to talk to joe recently myself and uh, I was asking him about, you know, you know, I know that you guys aren't getting along, but boy, we're so awesome. And it's funny. He's like, oh, that's that guy. <laughs> you know, he was so dismissive about it because he said the whole reason for anything between us just makes no sense. He just, it, it's a perfect that we just melt, meshed so well together mm-hmm. and created what's, uh, again, what I consider easily his best album. Yeah. And for whatever reason, Ingve chooses to distance himself from it. 
which occasionally he'll play a little bit of Dreaming. Of course, he still plays Rising Force. I mean, that's just almost a theme. It's a given that it's his opening track from here on out. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just an amazing, amazing album. And for me, I just couldn't ask anymore. I mean, at the time, my mind was blown. I'm like, holy cow, like you had mentioned with Mike, like, oh my God, Joe and Ingbe together. Yeah. This is just unbelievable. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, as someone who loves, I mean, Joe was coming off his solo album, his Rescue You era, mm-hmm. and you know, that's poppy and kind of light. And you're like, oh my God, yes, now he's back in Ingbe, and holy cow, is, is Joe rocking again. This is just amazing stuff. And I, I can't say enough about that album. Just top to bottom, absolute perfection. The, the peak of his career could never be taught. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love Odyssey too. Uh, it's my number one as well. And you're right, man. This We talk about the pairings. This is the best one. It's the best songs that he's ever written. It, it's the coolest voice. You know what I mean? It's just it's just everything. And, you know, Heaven Tonight, is as poppy as it is, you know, obviously one of his biggest hits ever, one of his best songs. Uh, I love Now Is The Time. Rising Forest, of course, like you said, it's classic. Crystal Ball. There's just so many good mm-hmm. tunes, man. And, and here's where I want to drop this one. So we talked earlier about how did this guy not cross over and i'm gonna say this i said it to this to joel and turner he agreed with me it's the name the name Ingve malmstein in the 1980s you know we're in a superficial era let's face it it's mm-hmm. not marketable and and this is a different let me give it another example of how this can turn a different way but this happened in the 90s with sabotage okay you look at when sabotage released christmas eve sarajevo it was like whatever you know no one really cared when they t- turned it around released the same song under the name trans-siberian orchestra it becomes a mega hit all the guys in sabotage are now in trans-siberian orchestra and it's touring around christmas and it's making all kinds of money so sometimes it's the name and joe said that there was a plan to make more of a band type of a thing it was going to be him eric singer ingve and bob daisley this is what joe says mm-hmm. okay and Ingve was like, I'm not having any part of this. He wants Ingve Malmsteen's rising force. And I believe right there, if this is exactly the, you know, if it went down the way Joe said, I think Ingve shot himself in the foot right there. And I think this was the time, speaking of now was the time, 1988, <laughs> if you were going to cash in, right? You were talking about in the 80s, like the, he, he, Ingve is 80s, right? This was the last yep. chance. Because we knew, like we talked about, what was around the corner, 90, 91, it was over. Guys like Ingve, dude, there was no more, Kurt Cobain was the new guitar hero. You know what I mean? There were no more solos and songs or everything. So I feel like Ingve really blew his big chance um, with this album because he could have repackaged it. His, he still, his name would still be out there. He would be known as the lead guitarist for like this band or, or whatever it is. Could have just called it Rising Force. But I just think with his name attached, it's just confusing. How do I pronounce it? It doesn't sound American. Whatever it is, like I said, it's a superficial era. I think you've got to play the game to win, and and I feel like it, this was it. Once you don't do it with this one, it was over. Yeah, I guess it could be tough. If you, you could have the greatest album with the best hype, and as soon as the marketing man drops it off at your local radio station, they go, I don't even know how to say this guy's name. How am I going to talk about <laughs> right, this? You know? <laughs> when I play it. Yeah. So I could see that. And I, and I always thought Rising Force was a cool name. I remember when Trilogy came out, I'm like, oh, why do you drop the name? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why is this just just right. him solo now. And then when he brought it back for Odyssey, I'm like, oh, okay. And again, it made me feel like the band mattered. Yeah. You know, and that yep. it wasn't just this one-man show. Sure, of course, he's the leader and it's his show. You know, but... The Odyssey lineup. I mean, you, again, you throw in, <laughs> that's my favorite lineup. And again, I'm sure that's skewed by the era. 
it's skewed by having the Live in Leningrad DVD yep. to go back to. By the way, if anyone doesn't have it, the Japanese DVD of Live in Leningrad is amazing. It's so crystal clear and beautiful. <laughs> go get it. And it's all region, too. So there's my plug for, uh, Live, for Live in Leningrad. Are you getting paid to say but, that? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I wish. I'll take donations anytime, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, the Meister gets free press from me anytime, any day, because he's given me he's given me a lifetime of enjoyment, and this album especially. I mean, Odyssey, like I said, is just it, it, and we could put out what, it, an amazing album. There's no way it can ever be topped. No, and it's funny too. If you, and I, I, like I said, I was asking Joe about someday burying the hatchet. If you guys ever do it again, he's like, hmm, you know, I guess we could, but could we ever top what that was then? Because it was just it was lightning in a bottle. It was yeah. that was the era. Everything was in vogue at this at that point. Everybody's at their creative peak now. Everyone's moved on and has done everything under the sun, you yeah. know, and for Ingve himself, anything he does now is repeating himself. It's, yeah. it's almost impossible for him to do anything because he's done the instrumental discs. He's done the pop metal. He's done the harder. He's done the concerto. Yep. He's done an acoustic album. Where do you go? <laughs> so it's, it's impossible to, I know there's nothing new under the sun, but it, it's really true to say, where do you go? And that's why you hear the complaints now that the albums have a certain degree of sameness, especially with, a lot of instrumentals now, no true lead vocalist. Right. That's that's the complaint you have now. But at that point in that time, you're right. That was the era where they really could have hit it big, and he had the perfect lineup to do it. And it's odd; it just petered out after having tonight. There was really no no attempt, even though that was a quote unquote hit. Yep. It really went nowhere after that. No. Um, I'm going to roll a clip really quick. This is what Joe thinks about his time with Ingve and this album. Um, now, in this clip, he, he he says that it's the best work that either of them have ever done. And um, and I think I think most people agree with that. Don't you, do you agree? Absolutely. And again, this is coming from the biased, slanted point of view of someone who loves them both and, <laughs> and loves the things they've done. I mean, how many people out there have Joe's Mother's Army discs and all the other mm-hmm. little side things that he's done on the side? But I can absolutely say beyond a shadow of doubt, this is the, the highlight of both their careers. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, hey, man, this was fun talking about uh, Ingve with you. Um, like I said, we're, we're, we're in a, probably a, a small percentage in the United States who are, who are Ingve nuts, <laughs> right? Um, so where do you think he's going, man? Is he just going to keep doing the same kind of albums over and over again? Or do you think there is a chance that he might you know, get a star vocalist down the road? Or, or even if he did something like Inspiration again, where he brought in a bunch of different people and did something. What do you think? you think there's any chance he would do that? I think something like that would be the best move that he could make because, again, there's no shame in being a theater act at this point. Mm-hmm. For someone who's had a career this long, that's to be expected. You're not going to be playing arenas at this stage right. unless he became a Trans-Siberian Orchestra guest you know, and started doing that. something he could have done. I always thought that was something he could have done. I remember yeah. seeing, uh, speaking of Joe, I remember seeing Joe doing a Christmas song with, in another country. I forgot where it was, but he was doing that kind of thing. He did the first Noel with mm-hmm. a TSO-type band with the whole same stage show. And that was something, I mean, I've seen TSO so many times. I've always said, wow, they would be awesome in this. If he was focused and again, doing it for the song and not, you know, taking it as a, as a way to do just a giant two-hour solo. Yeah. But if he could put aside the thought, I know everybody hates lead singer disease, and I know he... he he gets accused of that. People will say that, oh, his wife is his manager and she wants certain people away from him. I don't buy into that. Right. He'll work with anybody he wants to. Just right now at this stage of his life, he's happy doing what he's doing. You know, and yeah. I can't begrudge him that. He, uh, he picks his band. He doesn't really have... Nick Marino is, has been singing, you know, and it's, it's a far cry from Joe and Turner. <laughs> <But> it's, <laughs> it's not is. amateur hour, but it's a far cry from that. So I, I would love to see him 
put that thought aside now someday and say, let me get a vocalist, you know, find somebody, a DC Cooper, you know, somebody, somebody off the beaten path who has that kind of melodic kind of sense to it. And, you know, not necessarily going back down the well of getting Joe or Mark or anybody like that Mm -hmm. back. That'd be great. But again, that's nostalgia. and I don't think he wants to go that road. I think he really sees himself as an artist going forward. So he would have to find that new kind of vocalist to do it because, Doing the all the all or half instrumental albums is not going to push you to that next level again. No, he's just going to continue to be a theater act at that point. Yeah, but uh, I would love to see him do something a little more mainstream next. It's been back to back albums now. Yeah, and touring cycles. They throw COVID in the middle. It's been a long stretch of sameness. So to see something for the more of a and again, how commercial is it? You know, pop metal. We talked about facing the animal and that kind of era. Even that's not popular, but you'd like to see something a little more accessible. Yeah. You know, another thing that I think a lot crossed, at least my mind, especially as we got into the 90s, uh, and now, unfortunately, this there's there's no way this could ever happen, uh, would be a pairing with him and Ronnie James Dio. I always thought, you know, if they did something, and I think they did a song before. Didn't they do a cover together? Um, they did Dream On. They did yeah, Dream On. Yeah. Okay. But I think, you know, I think they were – they they probably would have made great music together. You know what I mean? They're, they they kind of yep. have that same kind of mindset. There's the rainbow connection. They like to sing songs mm-hmm. about dragons and stuff. So, you know what I mean? It would have, it would have yeah, been... That whole more... mystical type connection, you could say, that they yes. they have that whole fantasy meets rock kind of aspect yes. going to them. Yep. Visually, they'd be an interesting pair together. And it would be interesting to see him go that road again because really, Joe, again, was the first superstar singer he had. But to see him with someone with another even bigger name than his own yeah joining him for an album would really be something yeah but once again you know a lot of it probably with on both sides of the fence on that one would be ego you know what i mean uh absolutely whose name's going to be on it you know what i mean could could either of them say i'll we'll just call it you know some new name and and not have our name on it so i think that's the tough thing i think that's the thing that ingve struggles with so you know if he got an excellent offer today for, to be in a big group, I don't know if he would take it. That's the thing. After so long of doing your own thing, and even if your appeal isn't what it had been years before, you're still used to that control and being yeah. your own boss and doing your own thing, following your vision. That's big for him. And I, I understand that. I respect yep. it that he's saying, forget commercialism. I'm not worried about that. I'm making what I want to make. Yeah. I respect it. But it would be nice to see him take that road and just be like, eh, let's do one cycle and try something just to see how it goes. It doesn't mean you have to make it the rest of your career. Right. But give it a shot and do it do it as a side project and see what happens. Love to see it. Yeah. See, that's, you know, and I've talked about this on the podcast before about other artists. You know, I think that's kind of where we're at with a lot of them right now. A lot of them just say, hey, you know, this is what we want to do. You know, we don't have any label pressure because we're on our own label and this is what we want. So here it is. It doesn't mean that's what the fans want, though. You know what I mean? And that's the right. hard part. You, you, can, you can have fun and you can follow your vision and do all this stuff. But at the end of the day, like it costs money and people have to buy it. And if you're not, you know, if you're not doing what you're known for, what you love for, um, you could be in trouble. You know what I mean? Well, that's just it. Again, like I said, I just saw him in November. And you look around and you're like, okay, you're in a thousand-seater. Let, right. Let's be realistic. Even if you're selling it out, you're still in a thousand-seater. So, you know, it, it's it's one way to look to say, i got to try to find a way to reach my audience. Because, again, you're dealing with an older audience that he has. Yep. And with the way the show is now, again, relying on a lot of soloing, a lot of instrumental I'll admit, I mean, I was sitting in the, I was in the third row when I saw him this time around. And you could see the older audience 
sitting down, yeah. not getting into it. But then you don't remember comes on. Hey, here we go. <laughs> you know, and, and you see that more, but you know, that's, then Parabellum is getting played. <laughs> You're like, eh, okay, the people don't know it as much. Right. There's not that same enthusiasm, you know, but, uh, that, that's his direction. And that, that's, that's where his focus is right now. I get it. But, uh, Let's see what the future brings because there's, there's got to eventually be diminishing returns as, you know, album sales are declining for everybody, let alone for quote unquote dinosaur rock acts. Yep. So you're going to have to do something that grabs attention because you can't just rely on that steady fan base to continue to be there. Yep, exactly. Well, my friend, this was awesome talking Ingve with you. No, this is great. And hey, I, I'm sure you know it, it's tough to find someone to talk anybody with. So <laughs> it, it, it's, it's been a blast, a true pleasure for me anytime. All right, man. Well, I'm sure we'll be uh, communicating on the KISS FAQ board. I recommend everybody get on there, do some posts, uh, get into the conversation because, man, I, I, there's so much stuff on there. It's a lot of fun. So thanks a lot, Chris. Absolutely love it. Thank you very much. I appreciate being on. All right, man. Well, that was great talking some Ingve with Chris. There's lots more episodes on the way, so get excited, become a subscriber, and you can rock on!